open up your books, you bad apples. Uh, fresh off the presses, I got some hot news right here in the form of my cell phone in my hand. Okay. Um, someone has listened to the first part of Call of Cthulhu, our series on it, by the way. This is the Bad Apple Book Club. I'm Lucas Nord. And I'm Cole Lang. And this specific person listening to it also thought that uh, you named your cat after the John Lithgow family comedy about Bigfoot. (laughs) Uh... So, you know, Harry Potter makes sense because we've talked about it previously about how how much of a Harry Potter boy you were when you were young, but... uh, I just feel like that had to that had to be out there, and you you're you're listening right now. You know who you are. Thanks. Yeah, maybe Cthulhu himself um, really just put that thought into my mind. Maybe he has a connection with that movie, and you know, because we're talking about Cthulhu, and everyone in this story that talks about Cthulhu uh, doesn't end so well. So I don't know. Yeah, don't we know. do see that. Uh... People usually end up a little turned out after they lock horns with maybe more the idea of Cthulhu than the Eldritch being himself. But, you know, that's what we're here to discuss. Yeah. Yep. Um, So have you been, like, locking your doors and everything? Or have you noticed any creepy stuff going around since we've been discussing this topic? No, man. I uh, I keep all the doors locked, and I absolutely make sure they're locked before I go to sleep, too, because I told my story on here. My first or second weekend when the door into the garage was wide open when I woke up, I'm pretty sure that's just because I didn't shut the door all the way. Um, because otherwise, I've been in this house for a little over a month now, and we are completely ghost free as far as i can tell all right well maybe maybe there's a celestial being at hand uh there could be a bit of a celestial being yeah just saying so cool um considering that we're here to discuss the final um final part of our call of cthulhu series before we got started here i just wanted to ask if you've been out exploring wondrous parts of the earth in the last week and a half or um let me see (laughs) (laughs) Uh, it just it happens so much you know it's kind of hard to keep track every day i'm traveling i work on planes so you know i i travel wherever the planes go um (laughs) (laughs) i go wherever the plane takes me you know we're all over the middle east these days so okay there you go there you go there you go (laughs) But honestly, since the last time we spoke, no, I have not um, been. I, I just started class, and uh, so I've been, I've been like, uh, working, working really hard uh, on the podcast, working like a dog. Working like a dog. But um, it's been manageable so far. I'm taking one class called the Art of Cinema, which has been pretty fun. And Exciting. Yeah, just kind of we're, we're breaking down. This week's chapter or lesson is about Charlie Chaplin, and it's very interesting uh, 
how he kind of transformed the film business. The Great Dictator? What was the movie called? Yeah, one of them is where he's like... He was Hitler before Hitler. Well, I, I, from what I've heard, I haven't seen it, but from what I've heard, he is basically denouncing everyone for like their racist views and like all this other things. He's like, there's no excuse for the time period you live in. Like, this is really dumb, and so you shouldn't think he that was way. cool. Yeah, as far as I can tell. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Um, okay, so. Um, I suppose before we get back into the world of Cthulhu, uh, maybe you wanted to give us just a brief recap of what we went over in episode one. So episode one, we covered a pretty broad range of topics, I feel. We covered the life of H.P. Lovecraft, a very weird, um, hateful-driven and tragic life there was a lot of tragedies throughout his life and just kind of the history of pulp fiction and like and and also the influence on horror he has today that would that was seen with the call of cthulhu and in part one to recall we had our narrator and it's like a found footage film basically and he's going through his uncle's notes his manuscripts and he starts pulling out these manuscripts and they're talking about this mystical being called cthulhu and he's at first in the story there's this sculptor and he makes this uh monument of cthulhu after all these weird dreams he's had and this big city with, like we were saying earlier, like thousands of Washington monuments just going everywhere. And it's a very old city, but at the same time, it's almost like an alien city. It's a very green and oozy, like the the, the walls are, are filled with green slime and the lights turn on Ooh, and off. And <laughs> the horror. <laughs> so um, even you can even see the inspiration of Call of Cthulhu in SpongeBob. Uh, of course. The hash First slinging thing I thought of, slasher. Of course. Yeah. The hash slinging slasher. Which was kind of um, spooky at the time. Hey, I'll tell you what, they show Nosferatu two times in that episode. Uh, Nosferatu from, of course, the 1922 black and white silent horror movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and Nosferatu was burned into my brain because of how scary he looked flipping that giant light switch in, <laughs> uh, in that episode. I'll tell you what, I don't know that I had nightmares about it, but I, I knew who Nosferatu was from a very young age. Oh, and yeah. He's scary. Yeah, it's a very um, distinct uh, image. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Do you actually remember the name of the city covered in ooze and big green Washington monuments? Yeah, it was Riley. Riley. It's R Y L E H. I believe it is R apostrophe. L Y E H. Yeah, it's like Arley or something. And I remember when I first learned about all this Cthulhu stuff uh, a few years ago, I just remember that name always standing out to me because it doesn't make any sense for one. And for two, it's supposed to be 
smack dab in the center of the ocean. So, like, the furthest from every single point of land. Yeah, it just doesn't make sense where it's at. Spooky. Yeah, and we'll we'll get into that city here later in part two. But, yeah, it's a very interesting city, and it's going to be fun to break down. Um, For sure. And let's see, after that... Um, his uncle, who wrote all these manuscripts, he also goes to New Orleans because, like, he's like the sculptor. That's when he first heard, or we first hear the name Cthulhu, and then he's like, "Oh, wait a second, I've heard about that before." And then <laughs> we talk about the Cthulhu the, guy. <laughs> yeah, we uh, uh, we go to the archaeological convention. And who could forget it? Yeah, and that's where the police detective <laughs> shows up with the the weird sculpture and he just doesn't know what the hell's going on, basically. And uh everyone is just like super excited about it. And oh yeah. Uh, rightfully so, because it I mean, everything that's surrounded or like associated with Cthulhu is just strange and like mystical and has this aura around it and the last the last scene that we're left off with is the police detective is describing how he got this sculpture and he said that he was investigating this disappearance of this squatter community they all disappeared and there's like music and flames coming from inside these woods. And he's just about to go explore where this cult is. And it may or may not be associated with Cthulhu. Of course. Um, thank you for the rundown. Without further ado, I suppose. The Call of Cthulhu. Part two. Part two. And I just want to say I am so grateful to be here. Um, the cult hasn't gotten to me yet, but I don't know. I've been hearing some strange footsteps out the window, but I think it's just the barn cats. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say, I we'll, we'll bring this one back a little bit. I remember back when you had a microphone and mine had not yet arrived. You said you were testing it out and you could hear the little, you could hear the little cats outside. A little the pitter patter. Yeah, and then I'll be like, psst, psst, psst. <laughs> psst, psst, psst. get out of your cat. Yeah. In the middle of something. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, but cats, they're kind of a horror themselves, man. They can destroy any small animal community that they're introduced to. So yeah, I mean, they are kind of spooky. Yeah. Yeah. They're not as cuddly as they may seem. Same with, same with Cthulhu, you know, you might want to go hug this big fat creature, but (laughs) as tall as the empire state building, (laughs) he might just destroy your mind. So, but yes, good. Part two, we'll dive in and hopefully make it out alive. Yeah, like like, <laughs> like I was saying, um, where we left off is we're just... Oh, oh God. All right, all right. <laughs> cut, 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 cut. <laughs> all right, man. <laughs> all right, quit the spooky stuff. Uh, okay. All right. <laughs> so, yeah, like I was saying, he 
the the police detective, the guy who's like, now is this the rat society to go to with this uh, sculpture I have? He, uh, this is the same guy. He's uh, yep. about to go investigate the woods where this cult is, or we or we can assume that it's the cult. Yeah, it's like this very vivid imagery, and there's about twenty other men with him. And they're going through these woods with Spanish moss. Like he said, um, it, it was like hanging nooses of Spanish moss. They have the squatter as the guide, who's like one of the only squatters that survived like this mass disappearance. And he, he's leading them into the woods. And <laughs> so he's on the carriage and he's like, now there's never been a white man that's entered this territory before so and uh, <laughs> so the police officer's kind of like oh what did i get into here um but they're they're getting into the woods and they can see huts and a red glare and screams in the distance so these the, <laughs> the police officers just kind of like, oh no, what did I get myself into? Uh, yeah, yeah, but I can imagine I can imagine myself singing a similar tune if I'm in his shoes. <laughs> He's probably like, I don't get enough uh, pay for this shit. Yeah, uh, but it all it, it it all turns out well because he he's pretty famous in the archaeological society. So they they get closer and they're able to see the ritual chant of Cthulhu take place as there's like a hundred cultists and they're all dancing around the dead burning bodies of the squatters that disappeared so <laughs> he's like well my job's done here and uh yep. uh yeah he can just take off but yeah so very disturbing imagery and in the middle is an eight foot washington monument with a statue of cthulhu on top so Adam- i'd love <laughs> to have one of these for my living room <laughs> yeah but I'd imagine the police officer just being like, you can't disrespect the Washington Monument like that when he saw that shit. Uh, Very patriotic. Yeah. Uh, the, the, there's like four police officers that are with them that just like reel back in terror. Like they fall down. They're like crawling back. One faints. And then two just straight up go like, Ah! and then uh, <laughs> this obviously stops the the ritual but yeah it's just kind Bummer. of funny because like on the outside it sounds like oh it's just kind of like a fun time going on there's like drums going there's like a big fire it sounds like a celebration but then you figure out yeah. that the the firewood is like bodies of these squatters and it's just like oh man this isn't as fun as i thought it would be <laughs> Yeah, that's a real way to harsh the vibe. Yeah. Uh, Burning Man. That's what this is. It's just a new. Yeah, literally. This is Burning Man 2030. Yeah. Burning Man. Uh, (laughs) With exquisite uh, Washington Monument art pieces. But yeah, so, like, obviously, this cry stops the ritual. And then they're just genuinely shocked. Like, um,. There's just no response that you can have uh, 
that wouldn't be appropriate or that would be appropriate you know like it's just when you see this the amount of horror you would have is just very hard to react to and but yeah so they quickly regain their footing and then they charge the camp and they are able to arrest about 47 which I don't really know how they're able to do that, but there's 20 of them, (laughs) but (laughs) they just all get them in handcuffs. Like they had 47 handcuffs. I don't know, but uh, one big chain (laughs) with um, ankle lockets on them that had exactly 47 loops. Oh man. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Like, all right, just step in here. Uh, But line up, line up. Yeah. And then, but then they kill four. So, yeah. Bummer. And then the rest got away. So they got about 53, but they said there's about 100. So, isn't this, excuse me, but isn't this the part in the story where they talk about how they made the prisoners carry off the uh, dead and wounded? I, I believe so. I, I can't. I seem really. to remember that being a specific twist of the knife. Not only are we taking you away from your Cthulhu good times, but you got to carry <laughs> off the dying people that we shot oh. while we also arrest 47 of the rest of you. Okay. Yeah, I do recall that now. Yeah. But I mean... Just a fun detail. They find out that they worship the... The the cult worships what they call the Great Old Ones. And this is where we get into like the whole origin story of like Cthulhu and it's very interesting so Mm. these great old ones they lived before any men and came to this world when the earth was very young basically they were there before the dinosaurs or anything and it just kind of reminds me of Pennywise's origin story where sure. uh, he just kind of comes to Earth as like this meteor and it's like before the dinosaurs are during, but yeah, he just crashes and he he's like hiding under the Earth until humans come and he can like feed off of humans. So I'm kind of getting that same vibe. And, you know, I, I wonder if Stephen King kind of got that origin story from Cthulhu from this. I was wondering, too. Yeah. Yeah, very interesting. Uh, or maybe it's just the cocaine. I don't know. Uh, Could be. Yeah. They also explain that they're all gone, but not really because they reside under the earth and sea. So, like, they're different, like, elements that they like. Cthulhu, obviously, is a sea creature, so he's, like, very associated with the sea. And their dead bodies tell secret dreams to the first men. So, like, when we were just apes in africa they're already infecting our minds with their terrible dreams all of these beings so like this started the cult like he started the cult right away when we were just neanderthals and just barely able to feed ourselves and hunt and everything the cult would remain until cthulhu rises from his house in the underwater city Really, really, um, something like that. And the earth will once again be under his command. So, rock and roll, yeah, very cool stuff. So, the the cult, it, their main purpose 
is basically just waiting for Cthulhu. <laughs> like they have no sure. other purpose in life. They're like, Cthulhu will rise, but we're not sure when, but we're just going to keep on killing people until he does and making human sacrifices. Just keep checking, checking your watch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. It's been, uh, 257 years already. Huh? <laughs> the big dip, Ugh. the big dipper is, uh, above me tonight. That's a, uh, that must be a sign right there. <laughs> Getting getting kind of bored over here, to be honest. With <laughs> yeah, you. yeah, all this star watching, uh, you know, kind of makes there, there's like a million of them, so it's it kind of getting uh, out of hand. <laughs> they get most of their information. The police officers do. They get most of their information from a man they captured that goes by the name of Old Castro, and cool. Yeah, he he's he is an older black man, and. Uh, he isn't Fidel, Fidel Castro. If anyone was or, like, whoa, uh, connection. Or Raul. Yeah, is Cthulhu uh, conspiring with Castro to destroy the U.S.? I don't know. I don't know. Could be. Uh, but this old Castro guy has talked to some immortal Chinese priests who gave him information about the old ones. We're starting to see that more and more... Cthulhu covers all corners of the globe, which is very cool. But yeah, so these priests, they give old Castro more info about the old ones. And he says that they thrived in giant cities before men. And they're basically these celestial beings who do not have flesh. So it's like, yeah, they're these organic things, like at first sight, but they are not at all. Like they're from a whole different dimension. They're almost more of an idea. Yeah. And I don't know because it's the way they're explained in the story is like, you just kind of have to leave it up to your imagination because if you were to see one of these in real life, it wouldn't make much sense. Same with that. Same with their cities. That, once again, makes me think of Pennywise, because I never did read the book, but I, I believe the specific kind of lore is that uh, you can't comprehend what he actually looks like, so that's why he turns into the giant spider, because it's like the closest thing that can come to how someone can perceive the being. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like Pennywise himself is just, yeah, he's an alien. There's no other way to put it. Like he's just, he takes on the form of these other things and just kind of makes you wonder if um, Cthulhu and all of them did the did the same thing to kind of <laughs> make themselves feel home at Earth. I don't know. Sure. <laughs> they already have thousands of followers, but. Um, yeah, they do. Yeah. Instagram's popping off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's an influencer. Uh, yep. Th- th- he also says that they can revive themselves. So they're technically dead right now, right? But once the stars align right, and who knows when that will be, but yep. th- they will rise again, basically. They are known to go from planet to planet. So it's kind of like like a Thanos kind of thing where he's like, they're just wrecking havoc from planet to planet. I don't know. I don't know much about Thanos, but that's what the Avengers told me. And the celestials that are in the Marvel universe kind of remind me of these, like these giant 
beings and that are just so powerful. powerful. Yeah. But Cthulhu is the big bad guy here. He's the, he's the leader. And even though they are resting, they can talk to each other. And uh, during their sleep, like they're in like a hibernation phase right now. And they can also talk to humans with their thoughts. So, yeah, they're just sending out sound waves to everything. After hearing all this information, the narrator of the story sets out to meet the sculptor sculptor that we met in part one, who was having the strange dreams and uh, made this sculpture, this bas-relief um, of Cthulhu. So w- once the narrator is there, he notices that the artist is making some some pretty good art. And then out of nowhere, he pulls out this Cthulhu statue that is just so ugly. And he's just kind of like, oh, what the hell? What the hell is that? You know? Um, he's surrounded by like a bunch of Mona Lisa's or like just like beautiful artwork. And then he pulls out this grotesque figure and it's very nasty. And then (laughs) the, the artist is like, wait, wait a second, wait a second. It was from a dream I had. And it basically corroborates with the rest of the stories that the narrator has been reading from his uncle. And he's just kind of like shocked. He's, Cause he's like not really, he's trying to like disprove his uncle and he doesn't really want to believe this, but yeah, he kind of leaves the building scared and then he's like, he thanks him for his time and he travels to our favorite city, Nolens, uh, sure. where he questions those involved in the, the, that arrested the cult party from earlier in the woods as he's thinking about this, he's like really starting to fear for his own safety because the more he investigates and the more he's starting to learn that, oh, oh my gosh, this is starting to be true. So he he's also thinking about his own fate because if you guys can recall, his uncle was pushed down a hill uh, <laughs> to his death. So... He's just kind of like, well, when am, I, I'm going to avoid hills at all costs, like, yeah, <laughs> or any window or anything that can cause him harm. Watch out for people loading pianos into <laughs> tenth-story apartments. <laughs> He's just like walking down the street, and there's like ten pianos uh, yep. being loaded up, and he's probably like, uh, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna take a left here." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Taking the other side of the street today. Yeah. Um, but yeah, exactly. Like he's just getting very suspicious and like anxious about all of this. And so he thinks that his uncle knew too much. And he's just like, well, if my uncle knew about all of this and I know about it, what's my fate? You know, like what's going to happen to me? The narrator. He goes to visit a museum in New Jersey and he comes across a newspaper from Sydney with a picture of a stone of Cthulhu. So once again, like it's everywhere. Like I I feel like we've touched every continent almost so far, except for maybe South America. Like it wasn't just just his uncle and dying a mysterious death. The, The puzzle pieces keep stacking on top of each other. Yeah, exactly. And 
Uh, now it's in the land of uh, down uh, the land down under. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah. So you know that it's gonna get fun. You know that it's gonna get a bit rowdy. <laughs> the article explains that is um that has this picture of Cthulhu. This newspaper article it explains that a wrecked boat has been towed in with only one survivor and a dead man inside. So not a good sign once again, but the survivor who goes by the name of Johansson explains that he was out at sea and approached a bigger ship. And this bigger ship was filled with evil looking people. And uh, Lucas, do you want to give a guess what uh, color these people or what race they were? Not white. Bingo. Yeah, they were oh. <laughs> natives from the Pacific Islands. And Wow. Yeah, so this is just when you just when you think that uh, a twist and turn won't catch you off guard. <laughs> this is the third colored bad people that we've found in this story. The first guy was the man that pushed his uncle to his death, and then the cultists uh, who were practicing voodoo. And then, yeah, now we have natives that uh, are evil looking and uh, (laughs) probably gonna uh, confront these guys. So, uh, yeah, it's just like so stereotypical of uh, it reminds me of like American movies, how all the bad guys can never be American. It always has to be like this Russian guy or like it always has to be. Uh, you know, somebody that's not American when we have plenty of bad people in America. I immediately think of Hans Gruber from Die Hard. Oh, yeah. Hey, did you know I, that it's I a Christmas it movie? German. I did know that it was a Christmas movie. God. It's technically my favorite Christmas movie, I think. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll go there. I'll do that kind of stuff. And see, I think the interesting part about this ship being full of natives is that we keep seeing the unnecessary, once again, I mean, it's kind of obvious, but we keep seeing the unnecessary details of what color these people are and how terrible they all are. And it's interesting how these little bits feel very out of place in this story, I think. Like, I like how it's written. I like the details. I like how it kind of sends a shiver down your spine and... It still does that after however many years, but he just uh, can't help but sprinkle in a little bit of that classic Lovecraft racism. Yeah, yeah, it's just unfortunate, and it's just kind of like, couldn't you have been more creative with uh, uh, your villains, you know? Like, (laughs) it's starting to feel like a Marvel movie where all the villains are just kind of like, uh, you know, bland until it got to Thanos, where he actually like won in one movie. You know, <laughs> sorry if that was a spoiler. Spoiler alert. Yeah, but <laughs> I mean, it just kind of gets old. But yeah, exactly. It is very weird. But so yeah, like this big ship approaches and it's full of these uh, quote unquote evil uh, native people and. 
So they tell him to turn around. They tell Johansson and his crew to turn around. And they don't because they're probably just, you know, I don't know exactly what they're setting out to do. But they're just kind of like, no, like, we're fine. But uh, they start to attack. And Johansson and his crew climb onto the ship and... They kill the natives and set sail. But it's like super weird because it's almost like these people were being commanded to do this. Like they're almost brainwashed. Uh, And he kind of explains that. And it's almost like a mystical or celestial being was doing this, like this manipulation. So, yeah. And... So the next day, they approach an island that, like you're saying, Lucas, just straight up shouldn't be there. It's in the middle of the ocean. There's just no way this thing could exist. All but Johansson and another man die once they get on shore. But Johansson is scared to tell what happened on the island in the newspaper. So, because you gotta, you gotta realize he's probably a target at this point of the cult. So he he doesn't want to like speak anything about this incident. And on the way back to the mainland, Johansson goes through some pretty rough storms, and he's survived by with only one other crewmate. And he dies along the way due to what he saw on the island. But we're not entirely sure what they saw on the island just quite yet. Yeah, it's very interesting how he uh, set this up because it's like, that is very cool. Like this island that is just drove these men to insanity. And we're, we're just kind of left as the reader like, well, wh- what, what's going on here? Like you, you want to know what's happening. Yes. The narrator, he starts to piece together information that he has found, and he realizes that the earthquake that happened earlier that caused the people to dream, including that artist, to start sculpting a grotesque Cthulhu, and it also triggered the crew that attacked the boat earlier. And like I was saying, he... um, he noticed that there, there was something at hand here. Like uh, once the earthquake happened, it, it was almost like a switch went off with these Pacific uh, natives that attacked them. He ponders on if he'll be able to take on such a celestial being like uh, Cthulhu. And he's like, uh, I can do it. So he decides to go to New Zealand. Like he could back we'll off. See. But he doesn't. I was going to say, personally, if I knew for a fact that it was me versus some sort of a tentacle dragon man that's older than time itself, I would probably be like, you know what, actually, I think I will sit this one out. <laughs> yeah, I, I just, I, I don't know what you'd br- uh, bring to the battle, you know, like, um, it's just maybe... You could pull a Jack Sparrow and jump straight into his mouth. I don't know. I don't I don't know. Spoiler (laughs) alert. Oh, come on. He goes bar hopping, trying to get information about the cult and has no luck, which is kind of unfortunate because when 
I'm in a new area. I like to go bar hopping. I like to get information from the bartenders on what to do in the local area and whatnot. And usually they give me some pretty good advice. Um, I, I haven't been uh, given any bad advice yet. So, What about when you're asking them for information about, you know, elder gods? <laughs> Now listen here. Uh, have you listened or have you heard about Cthulhu? He's about uh, five hundred feet tall. Uh, he's morbidly yep. obese. Uh, he, oh. He's got an octopus for a head, and he has a human-like body, but it has dragon wings. Have you have you seen this man? Uh, yeah, you seen anyone like that lately? <laughs> and then he just brings out the freaking sculpture, and he's like. Slaps it on the table. It's like 100 pounds. He's like, now, if you see here, this is exactly what it looks like. Yeah. (laughs) If you see anyone like this, be sure to let me know. Yeah. But then, uh, you know, the one thing missing from this sculpture is a bunch of green ooze. So uh, do you have any green ooze? (laughs) Or goo? Just so that it can be as accurate as possible. Yeah. And then there, I would be so surprised if one was like, yeah. And like pointing them out to the to the island, but unfortunately, that is not nope. the case. Um, <laughs> he finds out that Johansson, uh, the sailor, um, went back to Norway, his hometown, and once he got back to Norway, his hair went from blonde to white. <laughs> He's a little stressed out. It's uh, pretty fair to say. Uh, yeah. When you have a cult on your back. So the narrator, he decides to travel to Australia and he visits the museum that houses a statue of Cthulhu from the attacker's boat, the uh, Pacific Natives boat. Yeah, so (laughs) he's going around this museum and he's asking questions about it, but... None of the professors there know what it is because they didn't have the guy from New Orleans uh, to tell them about it, you know? Yeah, uh, right. <laughs> uh, and the the narrator, he shudders thinking about its celestial origins. So he's just kind of like in this museum <laughs> and he's staring at this thing and he's just kind of like, ooh. <laughs> and just like yeah. like shaking and like sweating and everyone else is probably like i'm just here to uh see this art piece like move out of the way dude pardon me i must shudder <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> you do know you do know this thing's from outer space right <laughs> and it's been haunting everybody's dreams for millennia <laughs> <laughs> three o'clock already time to shudder <laughs> All right, unfortunately, our visitors, we uh, have to close the museum early. Uh, <laughs> we have to a man having a breakdown. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> but anyways, the, the narrator, he sets sail for Norway. Uh, and he's just like, once again, continuing uh, his adventure. And he wants to get more information. So he wants to visit this Johansson man, the sailor that visited the island. So... He arrives in Oslo and he visits his house. <laughs> and it, the way the pacing works at the end of this book is almost like Game of Thrones, the last season, where it's like, "Oh, we're we're on the uh, we're on Dragonstone now. Oh, we're back in Winterfell." Like 
the pace that this story goes is just kind of crazy towards the end here. For any confused listener, the Game of Thrones TV show that started on HBO in 2011 was very accurate with their timing because character A would jump on a boat in episode 5 and you wouldn't see him land in the boat until episode 8. But for the last season of the show, they were just wherever they had to be. Yeah. And I believe you could consider that a bit of a deus ex machina. That's a term to describe that? I believe a deus ex machina is usually referred to as like a device like um if two characters are alone in a room and one guy has to kill the other guy for some reason the one guy will pull a gun out of thin air and they don't tell you where it came from or why it was there and it's there specifically for the story to move along oh like it it just okay yeah i'm not sure if it refers to a literal object or if it can be just used as a storytelling device but either way okay i'm talking about it yeah yeah and for our listeners that do not know what game of thrones is it is i don't know not many people know about it but it is about a family and uh all these families want to get the the throne basically and it's very good and if you haven't seen it uh check it out pretty good why not? Yeah, uh, the books the books aren't that famous either, but they're pretty good as well. Um, but uh, yeah, so like it, the travel at this point of the story is very fast. So like he's he's in New Zealand at one point, and now he's in or no New Zealand to Austria and then to Norway. So he's seeing some pretty cool stuff. Like he's a world traveler. I don't know how he's bro- how he's not broke at this point, but. I was just going to say, this guy's got a lot of free time, and apparently he was left with a pretty nice inheritance. Maybe from his uncle. Yeah, yeah, it, it does make sense now. I was wondering that, too. I was like, how does he have all this money to travel? But, uh, yeah, his uncle was pretty well off. He did have a nice house and everything. And uh, But, yeah, it's worth it to get to Cthulhu. So, yeah, so he, he gets to the home in Oslo and of this Johansson man, the sailor that went crazy, or not crazy, but the rest of his crew did. And a sad woman in all black answers and tells him that Johansson is dead after... <laughs> what? <laughs> this is just the uh-huh. weirdest death. But so he was walking down the street and there's a bunch of guys oh. just waiting at the top of like the top floor of this building and they drop a bunch of papers on him and it knocked him out so it is like the piano oh. thing where it's just like out of nowhere uh this cthulhu cult is getting really creative with their uh killings heavy <laughs> heavy paper yeah oh gosh uh i don't know and then like what do you think those newspapers would like feature like what would like oslo norway what would be going down there air too clean water too crisp life too wonderful (laughs) why the hell are you moving to america (laughs) 
<laughs> to, yeah. to settle in the Midwest where you don't have fjords <laughs> or uh, beautiful scenery. It's just the temperature's the same. A, I could use a good fjord. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. It, it reminds me of like my my relatives or my uh, my ancestors when they first got here. They lived on the prairie and they're like really like poor farmers and they died some really metal deaths. Like Minnesota back back way 200 years ago it was not a good place to live in at all because one of the deaths was this lady was cooking and the uh, animal fat she was cooking with caught on fire and her oh. dress caught on fire and she died. And then, ouch! Uh, this is the most Minnesota death. But uh, one of the girls was walking home in a blizzard, and yeah, she she died in the blizzard. So Minnesota was not always a good place to uh, settle in. Like it would be very hard. <laughs> like, but yeah, it takes a certain type of person to live. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. A very, uh, you just have to have lots of coats. <laughs> so, yeah, like it's a very odd death. And Johansson, he left behind a manuscript of what happened on the island, but only in English. So it wouldn't disturb his wife, which was pretty nice. You know, you got to look out for um, your partner in life. So, it goes into detail about what happened on the island and with the encounter. And this is how he describes it. So Johansson and his crew, they left New Zealand on February 20th and they experienced the earthquake. And we keep on saying this, but it's important. But like this is related to Cthulhu and everything else that's kind of been happening recently. But he recalls that the ship attacked them. I was saying this earlier, but the it was almost as if these people were brainwashed by something and it just didn't really seem right. And the amount of aggress- aggressiveness they had was just unnatural. They take over the ship and they see a giant pillar like just sticking out of the sea. And they approach the pillar, which has a beach made of, quote, mud, ooze, and weedy cyclopean masonry which can be nothing less than the tangible substance of Earth's supreme terror, the nightmare corpse city of Relier. It's not a natural landmass. Not at all. And And it's out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. And yeah, just the way he describes it, like it's just like this kind of swampy... And like weeds everywhere and ooze. And (laughs) I just like how he described it where he's like, this could be nothing other than the nightmare city that Cthulhu lives in. Like, but the way Lovecraft writes it is just, I mean, just trying to say that whole sentence was kind of hard, but it is very cool how he describes the city. So under this like pillar of a city lays the great Cthulhu who has been infecting the minds of humans since the very beginning. 
<laughs> so the narrator, he's just kind of like reading this. And he's like, oh, you have no idea what you're going to walk into, buddy. You're going to like encounter <laughs> this big celestial being here soon. <laughs> you don't even want to know. Yeah. You have no idea the terrors you're going <laughs> to encounter here. But the awful, <laughs> horrible terrors. Yeah, and morbidly obese. <laughs> but so Johansson, he describes the island's stone structure as something unknown to man. I can't quite think of the exact word he used for it, but it's basically um, a word that describes shapes that do not make sense. Like they just can't, they just straight up cannot exist. Um, and that's Ooh. kind of what this island is made of all these pillars and everything. Like it's just like a bunch of polygons. And the way they're structured is something that would probably be equivalent to something that would be in like a computer drawing program or like a, something that could be made on a computer like something you could have never seen before so yeah he he describes the stone pillar as big as a mountain as they explore the island they are climbing quote titan oozy blocks which could have been no mortal staircase unquote oh so yeah like <laughs> you would think at this point they'd be like uh, we should turn back now. Not only are these uh, <laughs> uh, stone staircase staircases uh big, uh, but they're also oozy. Uh, yeah, <laughs> we could f- slip and fall, boys. <laughs> That's the real threat, not Cthulhu. <laughs> Cthulhu. <laughs> but so one of the sailors arrives at the base of this giant monolith and. It, basically a giant washington monument again but and and in the front of this thing is a giant carved door that has uh this bas relief this sculpture of cthulhu so like this giant door that has a sculpture and carving of cthulhu but it's just giant because you gotta think this thing has to house cthulhu so it's the base of it has to be giant like a mountain um, so it's going to be like a hundred times bigger than the Washington monument. <laughs> and then instead of being like, Hey guys, check it out. The sailor starts shouting and he's like, Hey guys, look at over here. He starts banging on the door. He's like, Cthulhu, are you there? Anybody home? <laughs> yeah, he starts knocking on the freaking door. So, um, <laughs> oh man. And it works. Because the dar- the the doors start to open, and a giant dark shadowy figure starts to emerge from its sleeping place, and hmm. it's no other than a giant Ellen DeGeneres, and she starts dancing, and she's like uh, just doing her cringy stuff. I don't know. Um, that was bad. That was stupid. Uh, <laughs> 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 but. <laughs> But he describes the odor coming out from the cave as unbearable. <laughs> He's like, ooh, mm. Cthulhu. Uh, it's probably been a million years since you last took a shower, huh? Um, Smells like old fish. <laughs> He's like, uh, oh, um, we sailors use Old Spice, and uh, we got uh, about 100 sticks on the boat. So... <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> you don't picture these guys using uh irish spring and axe huh? uh i don't know because i'm just thinking of old spice and uh it has the it has the sailing boat on the front but <laughs> oh it does now that you mention it <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah so like the whole crew is just watching as uh the doors open and they describe <laughs> he describes this uh being inside this being started to quote lumbered slobberingly into sight and squeezed its gelatinous green immensity through the black doorway Hmm. so yeah he's like (laughs) thank god he's oozy otherwise he wouldn't have been able to squeeze out of that thing like uh, oh, I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, like he, uh, it's almost as if like this green ooze that's coming out of him is helping him get out the doorway because he's just so uh, fat. <laughs> function over fashion. Yeah, it's like it's like when Frank is in the couch <laughs> and oh. he, he's like climbing out. He's like, oh, it's so hot in here. <laughs> There's not a day goes by I don't think of Frank inside the couch. <laughs> oh, man. The narrator, he starts to notice that Johansson's writing becomes very sloppy during this part. Like, he's uh, just through his handwriting, he's getting very scared of, like, describing Cthulhu. The narrator describes Cthulhu's awakening as follows. Quote, the stars were right again. And what an age-old cult had failed to do by design, a band of innocent sailors have done by accident. After vigintillions of years, I don't know what that means, but it's probably a lot, but the great Cthulhu was loose again, ravening for delight, unquote. Whoa. Yeah, these sailors come up here and they basically unleash this apocalypse. And it's just like very cool how you describe that. Vigintillion, a number equal to one followed by 63 zeros. Oh my God. That's a big one. Now, that, that is a lot of zeros, like 63 of them. Wow. What a dork. <laughs> yeah. And that's just kind of like his writing. Sometimes he just plugs in these words that you can tell he's like oh i read about this once in a scientific article and like he's just trying to like flex on you like he could have just put trillion but that's not come on two of his sailors die from looking at it um just yeah just from the site these two sailors die and they fall to the ground and then afterwards three other sailors are swept up by its quote flabby claws (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> by its nice. by its big meaty claws but yeah like i i know i make fun of his obesity a lot but i <laughs> mean <laughs> lovecraft is very blatant about how fat this creature is <laughs> so <laughs> how rude yeah so yeah another sailor slips and falls into an abyss of giant stones like all those uh, giant stairs they're climbing he's just like hitting every one of them on his way to his death and the rest are slipping as they trek across the stones which are almost changing shapes that was another thing like uh it was almost like this island was an optical illusion like 
there's awesome. a bunch of like these weird polygons, but at the same time they're moving ever so slightly and they're also dripping with uh, green slime. So oh, <laughs> triple whammy. Yeah. Uh, and it's just like crazy because, you know, it's one thing to be running away from a monster, but when you have to do it in like this green jelly, like, <laughs> and you're slipping that, that creates a lot of uh, buildup and it's awesome. So Johansson and one other sailor do make it back to the boat as, quote, the the mountainous monstrosity flopped down the slimy stone. So, like, (laughs) Cthulhu isn't even, like, attempting to fly or, like, step. He's just, like, sliding down these, like, giant stones. And it's just kind of funny. Uh, It's almost like The Blob, uh, the the classic film. Now, which... Which classic, The Blob, are you referring to? The 1950s one. Okay. There was one made in the 80s or 90s, wasn't there? There was a remake starring Kevin Dillon that came out in 1988. Wow. And Shawnee Smith, I believe, was her name. She was the... I mean, she plays a big part in the Saw series as Amanda. Oh, okay. Huh. Specifically, I think of number two with the syringe pet. And if you're out there and you've seen Saw number two, you know what I'm talking about. I think that's the one scene that really comes to mind when I think of Saw. That's like when the... Yeah. I I think you specifically showed me that clip before I uh, was really introduced to horror. And I was like, oh, God, why would you watch something like that? You know, like when you first are introduced to like uh, horror slasher movies, it's kind of like... Well, I will say, if you aren't going to dive in head first, I mean, don't even jump in the kiddie pool. You know or the saying? syringe pool. Yeah. Ah, gross. Uh, um, they do make it to the boat. And yeah, Cthulhu is just like sliding down his island. like, And it's kind of slow, but at the same time, he's so giant like it is fast. And he's just kind of like absorbing everything, too, with his slime. And it's kind of, it's really gross. But... The other sailors start to laugh hysterically. And (laughs) so Johansson is just kind of like, guys, we need to get to the boat. This isn't funny, but it's because of Cthulhu. And he's messing with their minds. And they do this until their death. So only him and this other guy make it to the boat. And so basically, they get on the boat. And Johansson sees that they have no way out of this situation at all. He turn, so he turns the boat around so he can strike the beast with the boat. So he's like turning around. He's going towards the monster. The water begins to bubble as the, quote, pursuing jelly, uh, describing Cthulhu, starts to rise from the ocean. And he goes full speed ahead towards the, quote, awful squid head with right breathing ri- feelers. And he does hit it, and the head splits open, quote, like an exploding bladder, and a smell of 1,000 graves emerge, and a green cloud spews from its head as Cthulhu screams a scream that is foreign to Earth. Wicked. Yeah. Yep. Like, the amount of detail that goes into, like, just his head exploding, like... Oh, man, an exploding bladder and then which is already a gross imagery. And then the smell of a thousand graves, just like 
you know, emerging from the depths of the sea kind of thing. Like that's such a cool way to describe this. And then just like this like green cloud that emerges is just very cool. Did you maybe want to give us your personal approximation on what a scream that is foreign to Earth sounds like? I honestly can't even imagine it. Do you have anything? Maybe a bit of a like... Okay. I could see it. Something like that. I could see it. Maybe louder. Maybe something like... Yeah, like from Alien or something that's just like weird. Sure. Or like a... Maybe it's just like a cat. Like it's just like a, it's just like a. I don't know. I, I, have yeah, no I idea. could, I could see. I mean, hey, foreign to Earth, it could literally, it could sound like anything. Yeah, yeah. That's what's so cool about it. You can make it any, any, any noise that you want it to be. Make up, make up your own mind. Yeah. Um. Nothing spoon fed to you here. Like it, it's up to your imagination. Like he gives you like some details, but it's like you have to create this world, which is kind of fun. So yeah, he sees that the head of the monster after it's been split open and he's like, oh, I win. Uh, uh, Not today, buddy, because his head starts to bridge together and he recedes. Yeah, like no matter what, these things, these celestial beings, these ancient old ones can regenerate. And yeah, humanity is pretty screwed. Yikes. Come on, Johansson. Well, I guess it wasn't really his fault. No, it was the sailor that started knocking on the door's fault. Like, <laughs> <laughs> hello, hello, hello. <laughs> I wonder what's inside, guys. <laughs> yeah, this giant, this giant oozing <laughs> door. They should have used the same tactic that um. Uh, what's his name from the Odyssey? Odysseus. Odysseus used Odysseus. when he visits the Cyclops. And <laughs> Cthulhu could have just been like, who is it? And then they just say, nobody. My name's nobody. And then he's like, oh, nobody's there. And then he goes back to sleep. But uh, yeah. Yeah. Not a quick thinker. <laughs> no. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what his intentions were. But yeah. Well, when in Rome, you know, when you see a giant slimy black door, what else is there to do? Yeah, yeah, I guess. Oh, like oh. our our curiosity can kind of lead to our downfall. So Ooh. Ooh. He sees that the head starts to go together, um, but he does he is able to get away, Johansson and he's like in this dreamlike state. Uh, he's not even really able to sail the boat and the rescue boat does find him along with his dead partner. And that that's where the newspaper started off as well. So, like, yeah, we, we got to figure out what actually happened. But, yeah, it's like the same story where they, they find him and they bring him back. And then Johansson goes to Norway, writes the story. Yeah, it, it was kind of hard to follow that narrative this whole time. But, yeah, like, it, it took me a while. But it makes sense now. The narrator... He's like, he puts down the manuscript from Johansson in a box along with all the other papers and manuscripts that he has found. And he's just like, oof, that was pretty crazy. But yeah, I told you, Johansson, you were, you were, uh, I, I, I warned you about it. Like, <laughs> he goes on to say about like the horrors of the universe. And he says, quote, I do not think my life will be long. As my uncle went, 
As Johansson went, so shall I go. I know too much, and the cult still lives, unquote. He's like, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty much done here. Um, but this Cthulhu adventure was pretty fun. I got to see the rest of the world. Just take me already. The narrator says that Cthulhu's island has sunk, and he thinks it will strike again Cthulhu himself. So he's like... <laughs> You know, I, that guy struck it in the head, but trust me, he's uh, he's going to visit his doctor buddy, and he's going to be back. And he ends the story by saying, quote, Loathsomeness waits and dreams in the deep, and decay spreads over the tottering cities of men. A time will come, but I must not, and I cannot think, unquote. And then he says that he wishes no one will see this manuscript for their own safety. And that's how the story ends. Wow. Yep. So, Lucas, this will probably be our last episode. It's been an honor, but, you know. Oh, we even know too much. We we know too much about Cthulhu. And the cult's coming. The cats are right at my window at this second. And, uh... They're looking at me like a can of cat food. That's a real kick in the knackers because, you know, I got some stuff coming in the mail that I was hoping to open up and fiddle around with. And there are still movies to watch, but I suppose can't really unring the bell that is learning about Cthulhu. Man. Yeah. That's a bummer. Yep, man. And I wanted to see the new Batman movie. The Stan trailer just came out for CBC, CBS All Access, the new Stan miniseries, and I won't be able to see Heard that. Heard about that. So hopefully it's good. It is CBS All Access, so maybe it wasn't. Maybe it won't be that good. But uh. <laughs> yeah, who cares? <laughs> yeah, who cares um, about anything, really? With with that ends our second episode of Call of Cthulhu. Well, it ends the discussing of the bare elements, but. Since this one's a little shorter, did you did you want to wrap it up with a tiny review since the material is much lighter than our previous endeavors? Yeah, yeah. So we'll do a little post-discussion uh, and just kind of like talk about, well, the story Post-game. and like uh, the impacts on horror it has. And I think that's a good way to start out is just like, I don't think I've ever read horror on this scale where it's like a celestial being and like can just terrorize men by (laughs) getting into their dreams, which is like really cool. And uh, just having this overbearing presence that, you know, is not going to end well. And it leaves you on a cliffhanger. Like it's just a very interesting way he wrote it too, like the whole going through manuscripts, even though it was kind of confusing for myself, but after reading it a few times, it does make sense. But yeah, overall, like this is just an awesome piece of horror, I think. Uh, And once again, it's just unfortunate that Lovecraft is not a good person. And uh, it's just something you have to take into consideration yeah, that's kind of my thoughts on how horrifying it is. And I, I I know we couldn't really see how like Stephen King got his inspiration from this, but like 
because Stephen King, a lot of his stuff is almost like a science fiction fantasy. So the whole like being like a Pennywise or Cthulhu coming from another dimension, like I see that now and just different elements that Stephen King uses. Overall, like I'd rate this pretty I don't I don't know how I'd rate it. It is it is a sto- a shorter story, but I mean, y- you can see how much it bleeds through to make modern horror. And for that, I think I'll give it a 7 out of 10. Uh, docking it three points because Lovecraft was a piece of poop, and I'm giving Lovecraft a zero out of ten for personality. Oh, <laughs> now see, this is actually what I was wondering when those sailors disrupted Cthulhu himself. Did he not bring doom upon man because he wasn't done cooking in the oven, or <laughs> like? Uh, it would take, you assume it would take the guy a while to get back to shore and then to get home and then to interview for an article and then to die. And he's Cthulhu still just been doing his thing the whole time. Uh, yeah, it just makes you wonder why was Cthulhu in such a bad mood? Like, yeah, what was he, uh, cooking like a good meal? Like what was he having crab legs from the dumpster out back? I don't know. No, 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 no. Um, check it out. What I'm saying is, why didn't he just start his doomsday plans right then and there? Was he oh. done cooking? Or was he not done cooking? It's, I mean, because you, you think after a zagillions zigil- of years or whatever that word was, he'd be good to go. But, you know, maybe he's just... Maybe he hit the snooze or something like that. Yeah, well, so I think he was awoken by the sailors because it does say, you know, what a cult couldn't have done for millions of years, these sailors accidentally did. So I don't, I I think he was uh, set off on accident. Like, <laughs> yeah, the, the alarm went off, but it went off at the wrong time and the stars weren't aligned. Um, he just literally scared a couple people to death and then went back to bed. <laughs> yeah, and it makes you wonder because we're still here, um, but maybe he's just waiting until the stars do align and then he, he, he might uh, take his vengeance out again. I suppose. Yeah. I would have to echo all of your sentiments. I like how this story's written. I like the mental imagery it evokes. I like the lore with the... Especially like the the things from the bottom of the sea and like the things older than time. I, I just think all that stuff is really cool and interesting. And we do know that Lovecraft had a bit of a controversial uh, lifestyle that he led. Yeah. But as I've said before, I, I have trouble putting number ratings to things. But I really like this story and I think that it... It's worth a read for the chills it sends down your spine alone, let alone how I believe Cthulhu turned into a much bigger thing with his own writings after this came out. I can't say that for sure, but I know that he's got a lot of other stories like I have read um, Dagon by him, which is very similar about a guy alone out in a boat finding a big slimy mass in the middle of the ocean and seeing like the monolith coming from it and everything he apparently 
had a bit of a theme that he stuck to is all I'm getting at. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, all of his monsters and stories revolve around, well, he, he was from New England. So, I mean, he was very inspired by that kind of horror, which involved like sea monsters and krakens and like all these weird uh, slimy creatures. His monsters are pretty cool and stuff, but like, I, I would like to get into more stories. Like, I wouldn't mind doing Dagon or like the Edge of the Mountain or Inn's Mouth or whatever. At the Mountains of Madness. At the yep, that one. And then there's another one I might want to cover. But I mean, we're just gonna have to, you know, make that distinction once again that uh, this was a terrible person and. Um, I don't think we've really mentioned it too much or at all yet, but if you haven't already, check out Lovecraft Country because it's that kind of idea of transforming these monsters into something that isn't as scary and it takes place in in uh, like the deep south of Amer- of America in like the 50s. And it has Lovecraft's monsters, but they're not that scary. The real scary thing is the racist white people. <laughs> like, <laughs> but it is very cool. And like the scenes that do involve the white police officers and just like the townsfolk is very scary. And I'm learning more about the awful history of racism through HBO than I ever did through history class. So uh, it's on YouTube. So, I, I mean, just like the, the our textbooks don't really dive into the awful things we did. We just kind of glance over them. So you must be forgetting the miniseries we watched in English class. Yeah. No, no. I Roots. Yeah. Yeah. We had a teacher and he w- really honed that idea into us and like, your history books aren't really going to cover like the Native American genocides, the awful history of slavery. So yeah, we watched the whole series of Roots by Alex Haley. Yeah, like I'll I'll be forever grateful for that because yeah, our textbooks just want to give us a dimmed down or like rated G version of our history, and it, it just wasn't like that. And it's it's important to kind of take that second look at it. And there's nothing like unpatriotic about it like it's okay to have a critical view of our history so and that's just something you have to do with lovecraft like you have to be critical of his viewpoints and because the the way he viewed the world is horrifying and it had adverse effects on people of color so yeah that's my two cents (laughs) okay so i suppose with all that said Follow us on the Instagram at the Bad Apple Book Club. Yeah. And as of as of yesterday, we officially have a email address if someone wanted to message us specifically. Once again at the Bad Apple Book Club at gmail.com. And uh, we we have some Halloween plans cooking up right now. We're gonna get ready for our new series starting one week from today yep if you may want to make the folks privy to what that is Cole. yes we are going to be reading the book of one flew over the cuckoo's nest and it is 
uh, some might be familiar with the film, but yeah, that's what we're going to be covering. And the author himself is a very interesting figure, had a lot to do with the counterculture movement, and I'm very excited to get into that. And it also dives into questions of mental health, and it, it really did change how America perceived mental health. It really dives into like um, the idea of being ruled by an authoritarian figure. And in this case, it's a matriarch, which is very interesting. Yeah, tune in for that one. It's uh, it, It's been pretty fun so far. Like I'm almost done with it. And Lucas, you finished it. I have. And yeah, we're very excited to get into that one. So yeah, tune in next week for that. Yeah. <laughs> Follow us on Instagram and thanks for listening to this series. Thanks for listening to our series, everyone. Um, make sure to have a nice night and to take it easy out there. Yep, and don't uh, uh, look out for cultists of Cthulhu. Uh, be safe, please be safe. <laughs>